Hey guys, welcome to That Florida Feeling. How are you guys this week? I hope it's been good. It's been really hot here, oh my gosh. It's not even officially summer yet, and our heat indexes are like 110. I don't even know what to say. But, so if you do go outside, stay hydrated. How'd you guys like last week's episode, Florida Caves? I thought it was a really cool one, um, although most of them are underwater, but it's still a lot of cool places to go and visit, especially in the northern part of Florida. Speaking of the northern part of Florida, we are going to actually do an episode today on somewhere in the north part of Florida, uh, actually in the Panhandle, and we are going to talk about Pensacola. Pensacola is the westernmost city in the Florida Panhandle. Um, It is also the county seat of Escambia County, Florida. And so basically, if you have Jacksonville on one side, Pensacola is all the way across I-10 on the other side. And Pensacola has been there for quite a while. Uh, A lot of people don't realize how old it is. Uh, It's actually the first Spanish settlement within the borders of the continental U.S. in 1559. Um, Yes, that predates St. Augustine by six years, but... It was still the oldest. It was abandoned, though, due to a hurricane, and it did not come back for about 130 years. It was not reestablished until almost 1700. It was in 1698. Pensacola is a seaport on Peninsula uh, on Peninsula Bay. Wow, English guys. Pensacola is a seaport on Pensacola Bay, which is actually protected by the barrier islands of Santa Rosa, and it does connect straight into the Gulf of Mexico. Pensacola is also home to a large U.S. naval station. Um, In fact, it was one of the first, and it was located just southwest of Pensacola near Warrington. And it's the base where the Blue Angels actually fly out of. It's also the home of the National National Naval Aviation Museum. And it's also the main campus of University of West Florida. It's got a lot of good good things in Pensacola. Um, It's really cool to actually go there and see the Blue Angels. Um, You can see them practicing all the time, and especially if you're just hanging out at um, Pensacola Beach near the pier you can see them all the time so the area was originally inhabited by the muskogean speaking peoples hey a word i can say um and the pensacola people lived there um, at the time of european contact so when the spanish came around and then the creek people also visited frequently and traded from what is present day south alabama and mississippi and also the very tip of southern southeastern louisiana spanish explorer tristan de luna also founded a short-lived settlement here in 1559, um, in 19, excuse me, wow, English guys, in, in 1698, the Spanish established a presido in the area, and basically what a presido is, is it's a fortified base established by the Spanish somewhere between the 16th and 18th century, um, and basically it was just something that, that they put there to exert control over the area, and Basically, when they put that there, it actually grew into a modern-day city, Pensacola. Um, Pensacola is nicknamed the City of Five Flags due to the fact that it has five governments that have ruled during its history. Um, The flags of Spain or Castile, France, Great Britain, the U.S., and the Confederates. I don't know why we count the Confederates, but whatever. City of Five Flags. Other nicknames include the world's widest beaches. Um, That's due to the fact that the Panhandle has some super white sand and it is absolutely gorgeous. Cradle of Naval Aviation. Western Gate to the Sunshine State. Wow. Corny much? All right. America's first settlement. The Emerald Coast, Red Snapper Capital of the World, and Pecola. I can tell you from living over there, yes, they have really white sandy beaches. 
Yes, there's a lot of navel stuff. If you call it P-Cola, I'm going to roll my eyes at y'all. Like, really? Don't do that. So, obviously, Pensacola has had a really long history. Um, in fact, its original inhabitants in P- Pensacola Bay were the Native American peoples. And at the time of European contact, the Muscogean-speaking tribe known as the Spanish at Pensacola living in the region. Uh, the name was not recorded, though, until 1677. And the tribe appears to be the source of the name Pensacola. So basically, the Muscogean people actually apparently named that area for the bay and now the city. Um, the Creek people, again, also came and regularly traded. And it kind of created this network of trade and relations throughout that area. The best-known Pensacola site, though, is, or at least in archaeology terms for culture, is the Bottle Creek site, which is a large site located 59 miles west of Pensacola and north of Mobile. And this site has 18 large earthwork mounds, five of which are arranged around the central plaza. And they believe that it was occupied from 1250 CE to 1550. Um, the ceremonial center for Pensacola people and the gateway to their society, the, is where, this is where they really they came out of. Um, the site would have been accessed by dugout canoes, and that was the main mode of transportation used by the Pensacola. So, as all Florida, the Spanish eventually came knocking. And the area's written history really begins in the 16th century, which was documented by the Spanish. The expeditions of, and forgive me y'all, Panfilo de Navarres in 1528 and Hernando de Soto in 1539 both visited Pensacola Bay, the latter of which documented the name, though, as the Bay of Oshi. Oshius. Oshius. I don't know. We're going to go with that. The age of sailing ships in Pensacola was actually one of the busiest ports in the Gulf of Mexico because it does have, or did have, the deepest harbor in the Gulf. So it was very important to the Spanish, especially on their trade routes. Um, in 1559, Tristan de Luna y Arellano landed with some 1,500 people and 11 ships from Veracruz, Mexico. The expedition was actually just to establish an outpost, um, which was called the Santa Maria de Oshus by Luna, and it was actually a base for Spanish efforts to colonize the Santa Elena, or present-day Paris Island, in South Carolina. So they were apparently supposed to go to Paris Island, but ended up in Pensacola. Um, And, of course, they did land there in 1559, but they were quickly decimated by a hurricane on September 19th, 1559, uh, which looks like killed an unknown number of people and grounded all their ships and ruined all their supplies, which basically gave them no hope. Um, The survivors did some... So there was some survivors. They did struggle, and they made it to what is now central Alabama, um could think of many other places to be but central Alabama and they stayed there uh sometime in 1560 before returning to the coast and they finally gave up in 1561. Some of the survivors eventually sailed to Santa Elena um but of course this is hurricane season and they were uh put off that track and eventually made their way to Cuba. Uh, they eventually made it back to Pensacola to pick up the rest of the people and they were taken back to Veracruz. So basically, it was just done. Um, it was absolutely done. They decided it was too dangerous to settle. And they basically put off resettling that part of Florida for about 140 years. Now, of course, the Spanish were all in the area. So was the French. And the Spanish just could not let other people have their areas. Nope, wasn't going to happen. Especially when the French began exploring the lower Mississippi River. And they wanted to colonize the region known as La Louisiane. 
or New France in North America. And fearful that the Spanish territory would be threatened, they decided that they needed to go back to Western Florida and reestablish something. So in 1698, they established a fortified town near what is now Fort Bur... Why can I never say this one? Barrancas. Laying the fort, laying the foundation and the fort for a permanent European-dominated settlement in what is modern-day Pensacola. Um, the Spanish actually built three presidios, which was a little fort I was telling you about in Pensacola to maintain dominance in the area. The presidios ha- did have names. Um, one is near present Fort Barrancas, and it was actually a village with a church. It was Presido Santa Maria de... The other one was Presidio Isla de Santa Rosa, which was on western Santa Rosa Island uh, near the site of present-day Fort Pickens. Unfortunately, that one did not survive. And and then, of course, the Presidio San Miguel de Pensacola was the final one. It was built um, a little bit more east of the Santa Maria one, and it is actually in the present-day historic district of downtown Pensacola. Um, I have actually seen that one. It's actually pretty cool to look at. So during the early years of the settlement, a triracial Creole society developed. So, you know, they're trading, they're bringing people in. And since it was a fortified trading post, they mostly only had Spanish, so Spanish men in the garrison. So some married or went out and found other people with the Pensacola, the Creek, or the African-American women. So that's pretty much became a mixed race um, in their population. And, of course, the Spanish encouraged fugitive slaves from the southern colonies to come to Florida for refuge, which I think is kind of cool. And they promised them freedom in exchange for Catholicism. In fact, King Charles II of Spain issued a royal proclamation freeing all slaves who fled to Spanish Florida and accepted conversion and baptism. Of course, most went to the area around St. Augustine, Uh, Fort Moose, but the escaped slaves also reached Pensacola. Um, But, fun fact, St. Augustine did have an all-black militia unit for Spain as early as 1683, which I think is really cool. So, of course, uh, due to Spanish, excuse me, Florida history, the Spanish succeeded Florida to Britain, so British took over for a couple years before succeeding it back to Spain. Um, of course, in 1763, the British strengthened defenses around the mainland of the Fort San Carlos de Baracas, including the Royal Navy Redo, um, and a British governor was appointed to that area. So in 1764, a colony assembly was also established. The structure of the colony was modeled after existing British colonies in America, not like French Canada. Uh, they wanted a different structure. West Florida was also invited to send delegates to the First Continental Congress, which was present when they gave grievances against the British Parliament and George III. Um, They did not, however, go. East Florida also declined the invitation. Um, So once the American War of Independence, or whatever you want to call it, broke out, the colonists remained loyal to the crown in that area. They did actually launch an expedition. The Willing Expedition proceeded to take a small force down the Mississippi to ransack estates and plantations, Um, and in the wake of all of these expeditions, they actually got British reinforcements. So the area was actually secured, uh, even though the limit, the resources were limited 
and Pensacola did rank fairly low on the list of priorities. They did see that this could be a threat and as a way to go up waterways, so they were actually given defenses at that time, which kind of contrasted some other colonies during the um, war, such as South Carolina, where they sent a number of British soldiers because they thought that that coast was far more important than the Pensacola coast. Um, After Spanish joined the American Revolution in 1779 on the side of the rebels, the Spanish forces did actually capture uh, the city in 1781, which would be the Siege of Pensacola, and regained West Florida. Uh, After the war, the British officially seceded both West and East Florida to Spain as part of a post-war peace settlement. Hence, Spain taking back control of Florida. Um, Now, Pensacola was still a huge trading area, especially up to 1785, where the creek from southern Alabama and Georgia used to come to Pensacola as trade and became a major center. They also had a huge garrison still in town now um, due to the military presence. So, you know, they would be raided every now and then. Um, Pensacola had a couple quiet years. And then when the U.S. was doing its thing with the War of 1812, American troops actually launched an offensive in Pensacola against the Spanish and British, uh, which surrendered basically after two days of fighting, and the U.S. took Pensacola again in 1818. And then in 1819, the Spanish and U.S. negotiated an Adams-Onus Treaty, which Spain recognized, and that gave America full control over Florida, but Spain got Texas back. Got to give one for the other. Um, When they did a census about the time in Pensacola, there was about 181 people, or households. That's just households, um, not people. And a lot of them were actually predominantly French and Spanish Creole, which was kind of cool to note. Um, now Andrew Jackson actually became the provisional governor as Pensacola became part of the U.S. So he kind of took over and made sure that the area ran correctly. Um, but there was actually some interesting social dynamics going on in the area. Um, they pretty much, so white, the white people obviously took over. Um, and then all of the mixed households kind of blended, but then They kind of started to separate the Creeks and the Indians. Um, I don't... They And this is also where they started to remove many of the Seminole or Indian tribes and kind of tried to take them out of Florida. Uh, There is actually a really cool cemetery. The St. Michael Cemetery was established in the 18th century at the location on the south part of the city, which is now the downtown area. Um, It marks 3,200 burials in that cemetery with a large number unmarked. I feel like that's one of the cemeteries, like in St. Augustine, where you can walk in and you see maybe 100 tombstones, but know that you're standing on up to 5,000 people. Um, I just think that's really, really strange that they used to do that. But Pensacola went through a period of, I'll say turmoil, because the tensions started to flare, especially between the white communities and the Indians, during what was called the removal era, when they were trying to remove the Indians from Florida. Um, It was kind of a tumultuous time. Um, So, and this comes just kind of around the time of the Civil War, uh, when the Confederate forces actually tried to take over Pensacola. um, And they lost the nearby battle of Santa Rosa Island, which I did talk about in my um, Civil War podcast episode on Florida. So if you really want to hear about the Battle of Santa Rosa or the Battle of Pensacola, I do talk about them 
more there. Um, but those battles did lead to the to Florida pretty much giving up our the Confederates giving up on that part of Florida. So present day Pensacola is actually a pretty big city. Um, it is. It does actually have seasons, you guys. Pensacola has is in the Panhandle, and it has warm and cold weathers. It's pretty interesting. Uh, I remember moving there thinking, oh, this is Florida. It's going to be great. There's going to be, you know, it's it's sunny and warm all the time. And then it hit 30, and an ice storm came. And I'm like, what the crap? Still on the northern part of Florida, guys. It still gets kind of cold. So you can expect pretty much everything from... You know, you'll hit some 80s in January, and you'll hit some 30s in January. It's it's much like living in South Georgia or Lower Alabama, which <laughs> it's part of part of it's called Lower Alabama. But Pensacola is actually a really big and diverse city. It's got some pretty cool stuff going on. Um, but of course, since it is Florida, we will touch on the fact that Pensacola's location in the Panhandle does make it vulnerable to hurricanes. Um, hurricanes which have made landfall in or near Pensacola since the late 20th century include. Ten, about ten. I don't know why I didn't just put ten on there and I had to write them all out. Um, one of the last ones really was Sally in 2020. Um, they did, they do see a lot of damage. Like, Hurricane Ivan in 2004 really kind of messed up the, pretty much most of the bayous and a lot, it messed up a lot of boats and infrastructure. Um, that was pretty much one of the worst hurricanes in that area. Um, it somehow did, I mean, Hurricane Katrina hit Louisiana, which if you've ever been to Pensacola, Louisiana is, New Orleans is maybe a three hour drive straight across. So it did receive a glancing blow from Katrina in 2005. Um, moderate damage was reported, a lot of flooding and wind damage. Um, but yeah, Hurricane Ivan seems to be the one in the past, I would say 20 years that really kind of decimated Pensacola and the surrounding areas. Um, it was on the eastern side of the eyewall, so it sent a large storm surge into Escambia Bay, and it actually ended up destroying most of the I-10 Escambia Bridge. Uh, the storm knocked 58 spans of the bridge and misaligned another 66, basically closing down the entire bridge. Um, the surge also destroyed the fishing bridge that spanned Pensacola Bay, as well as Three Mile Bridge, which having driven over Three Mile Bridge, I can tell you they worked on that for a long time after that hurricane. Um, about $6 million did, did occur in the metro area. Um, it was, I mean, Hurricane Ivan was a huge hurricane, and I'll probably talk about it in one of my other hurricane episodes. Although the last hurricane to really hit was 2020, Hurricane Sally hit, and it did about $29 million of damage to Escambia County. The worst part was that downtown Pensacola, unfortunately, was flooded. Um, another thing that Pensacola is known for, obviously, is the military. It is, has been referred to as the Cradle of Naval Aviation, and the Naval Air Station Pensacola was the first Naval Air Station commissioned by the U.S. Navy in 1914. So I can see why it's called that. Uh, tens of thousands of naval aviators have reached training there, including, fun fact, John Glenn went through his training there, uh, and Neil Armstrong. Of course, the Blue Angels are stationed there. And the Blue Angels are a flight demonstration squadron of the U.S. Navy. It was formed in 1946, and it is the second oldest formal acrobatic team under the same name in the world. Um, after the French Patrouille de France formed in 1931. Um, the team is comp composed of five Navy and one Marine Corps 
demonstration pilots, usually flying Boeing F-18, A-18 Super Hornets. Um, they usually are, they usually do about 60 shows annually, um, 30 locations throughout the U.S., and they perform aerial displays. Um, and the, they're called the Blues. The Blues still employ many of the same practices and techniques used in the inaugural 1946 season. Um, it is kind of cool. It's something really, really awesome to watch. They do get about 11 million spectators to view the squadron air show from March to November each year. Um, members of the Blue Angel team also visit more than 50,000 people in schools, hospitals, and community functions in air show cities. It's estimated since 1946 that the Blue Angels have flown for over 505 million spectators. Um, it is a really, really cool thing to see. Um, the mission is to showcase the pride and professionalism of the U.S. Navy and Marine Corps by inspiring culture of excellence and service to the country throughout the flight demonstrations and community outreach. And they really are a cool community outreach. Um, they usually do the diamond formation or an uh, tight diamond formation, maintaining an 18-inch wingtip to canopy separation, which is absolutely insane. Um, kind of reminds you of Top Gun and Maverick right now. Um, I mean, they're, they're really cool to see. They're really, they're really spectacular to watch. They are amazing at what they do. Um, and you know, it, it really was cool living there and just watching them fly around, like just in practice. Um, you know, they, I don't really know what to say about it other than you just need to go watch it. Um, it really does inspire patriotism. A lot of kids, um, Really love seeing it. They're at a lot of air shows. Um, yeah, if you actually just hang out at Pensacola Bay, you can usually see them just flying around. It's kind of cool. So they're definitely home for that. And you can even go see the National Museum of Naval Aviation, which is located in the Naval Air Station. It's free to the public. Um, it cares for and exhibits hundreds of vintage naval aviation aircrafts and preserves the history of naval aviation throughout the displays, symposiums, IMAX movies and tours. It is something really cool to walk around in as well. I definitely recommend checking out that tour since it is free, especially in Pensacola. Um, the Quarry Station Naval Technical Training Center also serves as an annex for the main base and center for information dominance. Um, it also has a naval hospital and it's the main Navy Exchange and Defense Commissary Agency um, commissary complex for both Quarry Station and NAS Pensacola. Of course, military draws a lot of people in, especially the Blue Angels, but Pensacola is also known just for its tourism. Um, it's actually home to a lot of annual festivals, events, of course, the historic area, tours, and landmarks. The Pensacola Seafood Festival and Pensacola Crawfish Festival have been held for 30 years in the histories, histories, wow, city's historic downtown. The Great Gulf Coast Arts Festival is held annually in November at Seville Square and often draws more than 200 regional and international artists. They also have a really cool children's art festival in the same square, um, put on art by display, or excuse me, art displays by local school children. Um, Pensacon is a comic convention held each February with usually about 25,000 people attending. But of course, the beaches is one of the main draws. Um, scuba diving and deep sea fishing are a huge part of Pensacola's tourism industry. Uh, they actually purposefully sunk the USS or a scanny in 2004 to create an artificial reef off the shore of Pensacola, which is huge for the scuba diving. Um, which I think I talk about that in my ship, shipwreck 
uh, podcast if you want to hear more about that. But it's it's an artificial reef, and it's actually super popular in the area from Pensacola. Um, you can go deep sea, or excuse me, scuba diving in the area, and the coral growth is just amazing. It's really cool to see. Of course, if you're into the history of Pensacola, there are plenty of walking tours through the old neighborhoods, uh, ghost tours, things like that. They actually also have a site of the Vietnam Veterans Wall South, as well as many other historical military installations from the Civil War, including Fort Barnacus, Fort Pickens, uh, which actually served as a prison for Geronimo for a while, fun fact, and other military landmarks, including the Naval Aviation Museum, the Pensacola Lighthouse, and NAS Pensacola. Now, the Pensacola Lighthouse. You have probably heard me talk about it in my Haunted Florida um, episode. The Pensacola Lighthouse is supposedly one of the most haunted lighthouses in America. So the lighthouse has actually been there for about 160 years. It's set at the entrance of Pensacola Bay and thousands of people come every year to explore its history. But did you know that there's also a paranormal history? Investigators say that the property has six permanent residents. They don't say it's haunted. They say that it's occupied by six people who liked it enough just to stay. Which I think is kind of cool that they have embraced that part of their history. And you can, you can read about them or you can go and even take the tour. They actually do sell tickets on the tour. Um, one person was Ellen Murrell. Um, she grew up and got married in the lighthouse. She even died giving birth more than 100 years ago in the lighthouse. She died of complications and actually bled to death in 1911 in a room located on the lighthouse grounds. Um, it's apparently a really active place. A lot of tours have gone through there and picked up stuff. I know ghost hunters went. And they get a lot of evidence most every tour. Um, of course, the basement is also apparently pretty haunted. Uh, apparently, the ghosts in the basement like to talk. Uh, they think that they found Thomas and Raymond, who were runaway slaves, who were unfortunately hanged and buried on the property. Those are the people who stay in the basement. Now, the actual lighthouse itself stands about 15 stories high at 177 steps. Um, and they say that the steps are also haunted. Uh, a lot of people have seen or felt a man possibly named Sam Lawrence, who became a keeper in 1877. And he just doesn't want to leave. He loved his job so much that he stayed. Although, side note, have you noticed that a lot of lighthouses that are haunted are haunted by the old lighthouse keepers? Like, was it just such an awesome job that you just loved it so much that you never want to leave? Like, I just want to know, because that's all you hear about is like, oh, the lighthouse is haunted by the former keeper. Was it that good of a job? I just want to know. Sorry. Um, apparently, you can also get to communicate with two children, uh, possibly named Lizzie and Joey, who died from yellow fever in 1922. They apparently like to wander around the lighthouse property and scare people. I think that's kind of cool. That apparently, the biggest, the most popular story about the kids is that they will stand in the doorways and... Um, scare people as they're walking through like you can feel a change or you can feel something brush past you i i don't know i think that's ghost kids are creepy but that's kind of cool that they're i guess still having fun um the pentacle lighthouse was labeled the most haunted lighthouse in the u.s um somewhere around 2012 which i i kind of have to you know man st augustine lighthouse that's that's got a bad history and creepy um so i'm like okay but since it has been documented by some of the major ghost hunters and they have evidence and they you can even still go on a tour i guess i have to say it is it is pretty haunted if you want to go see it it is located on the naval air station pensacola 
And you can usually take a private and overnight ghost hunt from sometime in the spring until November. And I guess with this lighthouse having as much history as it has and, you know, as much... I mean, let's face it, lighthouses are usually there to help people, but not everything always goes as planned. Um, They do operate from 10 to 5 daily. Um, Obviously, it's encouraged to wear tennis shoes if you're going up and down the stairs. It's actually pretty cheap to get onto the museum grounds and exhibits and even climb to the top. It's only $9.50, which I think is actually pretty cool. Um... So I, I think that's kind of nice. Um, it, since it is on a naval station, you do have to be, it's an active military base. So you just have to be aware of that when you're going out there. They do have some really cool exhibits that show the history of the lighthouse over the years. They also have some stuff from the Coast Guards, the history of elimination, which is how the light went from what a bonfire to the Fresnel lens that it is now. Um, there's also a living history, which... Talks about the keeper's quarters, um, which is probably where you're going to run into the ghost of um, the woman who died giving childbirth. And, of course, they also talk about the women who lived at the lighthouses. Um, of course, they, the majority of lighthouses were male, but many women took up and kept up the lighthouses, sometimes receiving, if not more pay than the main counterpart, male counterparts. I think that's awesome. So, you know, they actually have an exhibit on the female light keepers, people who maybe not have ever had the light shine on them, so to say. Of course, they also talk about the industry of Pensacola and the ever-changing, um, you know, Pensacola's changed a lot. The, the culture and the Navy being near it and all that stuff, you can kind of check out a really cool exhibit for that. Um, they also have a reading room where if you want to get exhibits, or exhibit, excuse me, references from the exhibits on the lighthouse, you can definitely sit down and look into them as well. So Pensacola actually does have, like, quite a bit to offer. They also have the arts and theaters, if you're into that. Um, Even though Pensacola does not have a prominent skyline, they do have some really cool buildings. Um, Unfortunately, the tallest building in Pensacola is the 15-floor Crown Plaza Grand Hotel. (laughs) They also have the Seville Tower, which is kind of cool. It's a historic bank that was built in uh, Pensacola. And it was designed by an architect out of New York. So it does have quite a bit of history to it. Um, It was actually built in 1910, uh, previous to the Black Friday and the Great Depression. So it actually was the tallest building in Florida at the time of its completion and remained the tallest in the city of Pensacola until 1974. It is on the National Register of Historic Places. It was added in 1978. Um, So, yeah, I mean, this is a building that's been around and seen some stuff. I think that's pretty cool. especially old architecture. It's just a really beautiful building with the large windows and you can see the different grades in the architecture. Another thing that Pensacola does is they do have actually some some sports teams. Uh, the Pensacola Ice Flyers is a Southern professional ice hockey team, which you can go see at Pensacola Bay Center. Of course, the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, which is a Southern League AAA, AA team. Um, so that's kind of cool if you're just into baseball. And then, of course, they have the uh, West Florida Argonauts, which is the University of West Florida. And they even have the Pensacola Roller Girls, which is a women's flat track derby association. So that's kind of cool that they do that. There's also, of course, a couple different parks in there. Um, Perdido Key State Park is actually not that far uh, from Pensacola. It's a really beautiful view to go out there and to hang out. There's really nothing out there. Um, Eventually, you'll get to the Florabama and you'll know you've gone into Alabama and you've gone too far. 
Uh, you can also go to the Big Lagoon State Park, which um, we went to when we first moved out there. It was really cool. Um, it's got some really pretty views of the lagoon and the wetlands and the area around it. Um, it's a lot of known for, they do actually have beaches if you want to check it out. I don't think that we went for the beaches, but they do have a lot of biking and boating. You can canoe, fish, hike. Um, you know, it's, it's a state park. They have a little bit of something for everybody at the state parks. I just think it's cool that they built it up. And fun fact, it is on the, it's the gateway site for the great Florida birding trail. So if you're definitely into birds or aviation, not aviation, whatever the word is for birds, um, <laughs> you can definitely check it out. I'm telling you guys, English is not my strong suit today. I have not had enough coffee. Um, Pensacola is an ever-growing city. They do have I-10 and I-110 goes right through it. Um, passing basically from Jacksonville, you can go all the way on I-10 to, uh, through Pensacola to New Orleans. Um, you know, it's, there's really something for everybody. It's, it's just, I can't say that it's a typical Florida town because it's not. Um, there are some really cool little small towns outside of it, such as Gulf Breeze, Florida and Navarre, Florida. Both of those are amazing sites. Of course, Pensacola Beach, the area around the beach is just absolutely beautiful. They have some really good seafood up there. Gulf shrimp is amazing, you guys. Um, but I really, really would be remiss if I did not talk about my favorite restaurant in Pensacola. And that is McGuire's Irish Pub. McGuire's Irish Pub has is just amazing and they even actually have their own brewery if you go to the one in um Dustin but there's two of them there's one in Pensacola and there's one in Dustin um it actually first opened in 1977 in Pensacola um they started out as a pub and in a shopping center and then in 1982 they got to move into their current location which is actually a really cool 1927 original firehouse and they have do- they're the ones that hang you sign the dollar and they hang it on the walls and it's just it's so cool like they have such good food and they do a run um it's a i think it's a 5k and you run, <laughs> you run through the streets and then you finish the thing and then you get well of course they give you beer along the way but you get this thing on their menu and I'm going to have to f- I can't remember the name of it I want to say it's called an Irish wake and they limit your Irish wakeness to one per per time, or it used to be one. Maybe it's two now, but they they limit it because it is such a strong, fruity, just wow kind of drink. Like, and it's it's really good. Like, it's really good. Um. Oh, they okay. They changed the limit. It's three per person. So, um. It's an old mason jar that you get to keep. Haha, ha, very funny. But it is, I remember it being a mix of like orange juice and citrus and vodka and I don't know what else. I'm surprised they still let you do three. I mean, I think with two, I was like, no, I was, I did one and I was like, yo, I'm out. This is great, but I can't do this no more. And also, randomly... This Irish pub has some of the weirdest and best burgers I've ever had. Although I might make fun of you if you get a hamburger at a Irish pub. Um, but 
they also have a thing called an Alka-Seltzer reward where if you can eat three burgers, they give you a free McGuire's t-shirt and an Alka-Seltzer. Um, but it's just, it's a really, really cool place. They have such good stuff. And of course the one in Destin is a brewery, but I just have, because it's, it's such a cool place in, in Pensacola to go. And it's been there for so long. Like everybody knows McGuire's. I think the weirdest burger that I thought they had was the Skippy peanut butter burger. I just can't do peanut butter and a burger. Um, that's just, wow, I'm adventurous, but I am just not that adventurous. Um, but yeah, definitely give it a try. Every time I went to this place, I had fun. Their food was amazing. Their burgers are fantastic. Their beer is really good. So if you're looking for a place in Pensacola to check out, I definitely recommend that. The other place I recommend is called Sky's Pizza Pie. And no joke, if I can find the picture, I'll post it on my Instagram. This slice of pizza was the size of my arm, y'all. Like, it went from my elbow down to the tips of my fingers. And it was, like, so cheap. And it was so good. Um, And you can get a slice to go. It was really, but, like, it was so good. Uh, I actually still talk about that pizza to this day. Um, but yeah, you can get whole pies, you can get slices, and they do have some really cool choices as well. Um, it's mostly New York style. I always thought that the lasagna pie looked really good. It was meatball, sausage, ricotta, and mozzarella. I always thought that was a really cool one. Um, but of course I have to stick to the white pizzas, so, you know, whatever. It's still good. I also just did not understand, like, how people ate more than one slice of their pizza. It is so amazing. And then, of course, they have the standard stuff, but Pensacola is home to one more place that I absolutely love. And I, you've heard me talk about it. You've heard me talk about it a lot. Um, it is badass coffee. There is a badass coffee in, well, it's not, okay, it's not in Pensacola. It's outside of Pensacola, excuse me. But there is still a badass coffee within realm of Pensacola. It is actually, okay, so it technically is Pensacola, but whatever, it's off Sorrento Road. And you guys, you have not had amazing coffee until you have had badass coffee. They, they are, it's all from Hawaii, so it's Kona. They've got some of the coolest drinks around, and the menu is just amazing. Plus the fact that you can just buy something that says badass coffee. They have, probably my favorite latte there is the, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I'm torn now that I'm looking at their menu again. I don't know. The the badass mocha, which is dark and white mocha, is so good. But then they have this thing called Snickerlicious, y'all. And it's caramel, dark chocolate, hazelnut. It is so good. And it tastes like a freaking sn- uh, Snickers. I love it. What am I saying? I love all their drinks. Like, And they always have some really cool ones. I think they have like a beach bonfire one right now that's kind of cool. But yeah, if you if you want just a really good cup of like brewed coffee, if anybody drinks that anymore, I mean I do, but whatever. They have a really amazing uh, just brewed coffee. I used to go there and get. They used to have a Puerto Rican blend, and I used to go there and get the Puerto Rican coffee all the time. Um, I also love just their Hawaiian blend. It's just a Hawaiian. It's just a blend. It's amazing. It's just like a perfect cup of brewed coffee, you guys. And, of course, they have flavored coffee if you're into that. Um, I don't know. For me, if it's brewed coffee, it should just taste like coffee. I don't know. 
But there's so many, and like I said, there's so many cool places to go in Pensacola. We had like a favorite Mexican restaurant that was really fun. It was on the bay. You could actually see the bay from it. And of course, there was a Krispy Kreme. I love the Krispy Kreme. <laughs> Sorry. If y'all are like, Jody, there's Krispy Kremes everywhere. I'm like, I know, but it was a good memory. But um, Pensacola is really one of those cool towns. I feel like it's often overlooked, um, especially because of the naval stuff. But you should go. You can actually drive the Gulf Island National Seashore. You can, you know, you get on it in Navarre and you can just drive all the way down to Pensacola Beach. Uh, it's just a really fun place to visit. They have really beautiful white sandy beaches. Uh, you can go visit the fort. You can go visit Pensacola Beach. Side note, if you go visit a fort, do not turn off into the sand. Your car will get stuck. It will be a bad day for all parties involved. I just want to say that out loud. The person who's listening knows who I'm talking to. Um, but yeah, so Pensacola is one of those often overlooked cities. I think a lot of the panhandle is. And so I just wanted to shed a little light on it, give it some love this week. Reminisce about some really good hamburgers and pizza, apparently, and coffee. And just give you guys another fun Florida place to check out. So thank you to everybody who has liked, subscribed, commented on really all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. You guys are amazing. I love you guys. Um, sorry if I've been posting sporadically. Um, thanks to everybody who also does the uh, question of the day. I'm glad we all like the rainy season. Glad we all love it. I wish it would rain just a little bit more right now because it's super hot, but beggars can't be choosers and it is what it is. I'm sure by the time it's rained every day in August, I'll be like, can we be done now? So thank you to everybody who has given reviews. You guys are simply amazing. Um, still working on merch. Promise I haven't given that up yet. Probably going with stickers first. Still a thing I'm working on. It's only been a year, guys. I'm still growing this. Um, and I do appreciate you guys having listened to me for the last year. If you guys have any suggestions, you can feel free to reach out on me in any of the social media platforms and or email. I would really appreciate that. Um, Florida man this week is an interesting one. The only one that I thought was really funny was if you and I posted it on our uh, on the Facebook group. If you've seen the picture, it's the guy who has the head, the I almost called it a headset because it looks like a freaking wig, the haircut like he man. And I just, I don't know, y'all. Florida man's getting to be a bit much. I know the world's going to crap lately, so I don't really want to talk about Florida man and his stupidity. I just want to talk about the good things. So, I hope everybody has a great week. I hope that you all get some fun weather, some sunshine. If you're on the beach, enjoy it. If you're not, maybe you'll get there soon. Um, wear some sunscreen if you go. Be nice to one another, guys. There's enough assholes out there. Don't be the next one. And, uh... That's your daily dose of sunshine.